Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome to the Firetime Podcast. Now, as we jump into it, I've been really excited for this conversation. We have a return guest to the show, Pete Schoenfeld, and we we hit a lot of different topics today. Pete is in a really interesting position with his job at UBG. He works for a buying group, and so as he goes to work with different members across the United States... His job isn't necessarily to sell them anything, it's more of just making them aware of all the different benefits and programs and and things that are available through the buying group and helping them implement them in their stores. And so because of that, he gets not totally an unbiased perspective, but he sees a lot at a lot of different levels without the angle of when you have a specific agenda, you know, from a distributor or a manufacturer or I mean from a retailer for that matter. So we hit a lot of different things. Now, Pete also is part of the national board at the HPBA and he serves on the executive committee. So he has insight at like the highest level to what's going on. Now, in this conversation, we jump right out of the gate talking about just the difficult spot that many companies are in. And and I truly believe as we record this now that the supply issues we're seeing are going to continue. I think that supply is the best that it will be for probably the next 8 to 12 months. I would love to be wrong about that, but I believe the supply issues we've dealt with for the last 6 months and are dealing with now will get significantly worse before they get better. Now, if I'm wrong, that's incredible, but in that reality, if things do get worse before they get better, as retailers, distributors, and manufacturers, we have to find ways to come together. And that's that's a big part of me and Pete's conversation is to talk about how we take advantage of resources around us to get better. Picking up the phone and calling someone that maybe you even compete with and just saying, hey, what are you seeing out there? This is what I'm seeing. And I think that this idea of sharing the knowledge that we have it, it is starting to gain steam, and as difficult as things are right now, I think that it kind of forces our hand to say we're not going to be able to survive alone, and it's such an awesome opportunity to lay down our pride and actually share the best practices with each other so that we can ultimately serve more customers and protect our industry. Now, one of the big themes in this conversation as well is communication, and, and Pete's got a line, I'll talk about it more in the outro of this episode, where he talks specifically about a practice that he has built in, in the way that he handles emails. And I mean, this really impacted me because I witnessed it firsthand. I'll share a little bit more with you later about that. But listen to when he talks about the way that we need to communicate. Most mistakes happen because we don't communicate properly. So I'm going to step out of the way and let you hear this conversation. I love it every time I get a chance to talk to Pete, and I know that you are too. As always, we'll circle back at the end. I've got some parting thoughts for you. Joining me from Orlando, Florida is a return guest to the show. He is in dealer support and resources with the United Buyers Group. I'm joined today by Pete Schoenfeld. How's it going, Pete? I'm doing well, Tim. Thanks for having me back on. 
Yeah, I am so glad every time we get the chance to talk. And I feel like we've actually seen each other a lot this summer. We had a run where we were seeing each other just about every week in different parts of the country for the UBG shows that were going on. We were, and it was good. It was good to get out and finally be able to see people and interact. It was sure nice to not be stuck behind the Zoom filter. <laughs> I know. You know, what I actually thought was the best was seeing you get soaked with like 10 gallons of water at once because there was a tent that was like the canopy was filling up with water and you were standing underneath it when it all buckled. And that was pretty incredible. Yeah, it was very <laughs> cold because it was in Connecticut at Dean's. And yeah. uh, I'll, I'll tell you, that was uh, everybody stopped and laughed and it was didn't seem like it was going to end. That was the never ending bucket challenge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I want to jump in. So, Pete, I, I don't have much of an agenda for this conversation because I wanted to just kind of tee you up and listen. You are somebody, we've talked about this in, in the past episode that you were on, you have, have worked as a retailer, you've worked for distributors, and in your role now at UBG, you're not really a retailer, distributor, or manufacturer, yet, yet you kind of interplay between those lines. And as a result, you see a lot of different dealers across the country. And so I kind of want to just talk today about the state of the industry, what you're seeing and what the best dealers are doing to win. But uh, maybe first, just to set the stage a little bit, can you talk about the the perspective that you are able to see because of your job? Yeah. And I am, I've been able to actually go across the whole country um, and see our members of the United Buyers Group. And, and again, it is unique because when we walk in, um, we're not necessarily looking for product placement. We're not lo- necessarily looking for uh, this manufacturer, or that manufacturer. Often we're, we're talking to the owners of the business and the, and the people working within the business to ask them what they need, uh, what help they c- we can offer them. And it's been unique because there's always a filter when you're a manufacturer or you're with a distributor, there's always that sales filter. And uh, this role has allowed me to have much more interaction as a more of a consultant to the business. And we talk more about the business practices uh, similar to probably some of the conversations you've been able to have. And I know you've, you've done that with some of our members as well. And it's uh, a different one. And it's, it's kind of unique, especially when you get to years like this and, and they come to you and they say, I don't know what to do. Yeah. What should I do? What are other people doing? And I think that's been rewarding this year is actually being able to give at least some some guidance to, hey, have you talked to this person? Have you thought about this? And maybe giving some people just a little bit of a, a lifeline to yeah. other resources because, boy, they sure need it. That's probably what I've seen the most is there's just a need yeah. uh, out there for resources. I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, as we're recording this, I mean, we've been talking about delays in supply chain for the better part of a year now with COVID. But in 2020, there generally seemed to be an influx where while product was really delayed, there were a bunch of orders coming in. And a lot of people were probably pretty cash heavy as all these deposits got placed. But we're in a situation now where that backlog, you know, hasn't been fulfilled very quickly. And I think that there's a lot of retailers in a spot where they've got little inventory. They have a whole bunch of people that, you know, want to get product, but it it's going to be, I mean, a long time, months and months before some of this product gets fulfilled. And I believe that this year there's going to be retailers that go out of business because there's too much demand. There's no supply and, and you can't string along your payroll for an infinite amount of time when you aren't getting product. And I don't say that to paint a picture of it's all doom and gloom. I just think that there's a very stark reality that we're beginning to have to face. And so 
I guess I want to ask you as you're going around and working with these different dealers, would you say that's a fairly accurate representation of where the average dealer is that you see, or is that kind of an anomaly? I think there's on both sides. And I definitely, definitely feel like you're onto something. And I'll give you an example, not a, not a member of uh, UBG, but somebody I know in the industry uh, known for, you know, 25 years plus, they ended up having to give a lot of the deposits back because they've been yeah. waiting so long for product. And we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars that was their operating budget, yeah. was their operating money. And so they're giving and refunding this money and it's putting them in a position now is, okay, now the orders are going to come in. How am I going to pay for that? I don't have it sold any longer. Yeah, I haven't got accurate or at least honest information from when I'm going to get my product. Yeah, So I haven't been able to be honest inaccurate to my customer. So I feel like I'm I'm trying to be the bank going back and forth. And I think that's the scariest part of that's the area where there's no PPP money going to come back and bail you yeah, out, give you a little right. safety net parachute to hold on to this time. And it's how are you going to maneuver that nuance in this industry? And um, are the manufacturers are going to be are they going to be more receptive? Are they going to take some product back? Are they going to do some restock shuffles? Are they going to support the dealer and make sure they stay in business? Yeah. Listening to, hey, this order got canceled. Uh, it just got here Tuesday. I don't have it sold. Can I get some terms on this? You know, yeah. Can they swing that too? Can the manufacturer actually handle that? Because they're in the same situation where they've had to put all the money up front. I think a lot of yeah. dealers forget that those manufacturers are in the same boat, but they're in the same boat a lot earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they've already had to come out of pocket for all of their raw materials and everything else so much earlier in the process that um, we're all in it together, including the consumer that wanted the money back. Right. It, yeah. It's just been a, a trickle down yeah. of, the, of the whole process. And I'm fearful of, of those people who are going to be cash strapped and how are they going to fi- uh, maneuver their finances between now yeah. and, you know, middle, middle of uh, 2023, 2022 yeah. to 2023. I mean, it's going to be a, I don't think it's a single year process still. I think we're in another 18 months of maneuvers. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the next I think the next 12 to 15 months are going to be some of the hardest we've ever had, probably even more difficult than 2008. But all that to say, so so we know we're in this tough spot and 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 you know there's a lot of reasons to blame for it, but it's a no-win situation for everybody. So so granted, we're looking at those brutal facts as as you're going around like what what are you seeing? As far as like some dealers that are doing it right and are trying to think differently, what, what are you seeing out there? You know, I think the best thing I've seen is is over communicating to customers and over communication to their customers and and then behind that to their manufacturers or to their distributor exactly where their business is and what is going on. The ones that are pulling the blinds down and closing the doors, not letting people in, not communicating, are the ones that are going to be that aren't going to get help. The ones that are going to help, they're not just calling and screaming and saying, I got somebody going to return the funds. I need the unit. If the unit can't come from the manufacturer, it's okay to be honest with your customer and say, I don't have that unit, but I did get these other units today. I know that's not the look you're looking for, but would you consider this? Or are you okay waiting for this unit to come in? And it could be another three months, but that communication is is probably the most important. And I've seen some really good communication out there. Uh, I've seen some really great businesses. They are on top of it. I've heard, uh, I walked into a business and they had a call list that day calling their people, each one of their sales. And she was going through and making that phone call and said, I just want to give you a status update. 
actually have nothing to, to, to reply to you. I have no update, but you're on top of my list. I'm thinking about you and I checked on it. If I hear anything back today, I will get back to you. That's so good because it, it makes the customer feel taken care of. And no one likes the fact that there's these big delays, but yeah, if you can, if you can help manage those customer expectations, it's huge. Um, I love what you said about, Hey, I know you ordered this. And the truth is that we don't know when it's going to come in. We just got delayed again on our, on our purchase order, but I've got this other product that is here and it's going to do a lot of the same things. So I believe that like, that is the key to getting through this year period. Like, I mean, there's a couple other keys, but that, that is really, really critical. I think that sometimes we, and I say we pointing the finger at myself, cause I've been a part of this too, that we can very often believe that this product is the only thing that will work for that customer. Mm-hmm. The only reason they got it is because it did this, 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 and this. And the truth is that, you know, there are probably a lot more simple reasons a customer would buys a product than we're aware of it. You know, I mean, it looked nice. It felt nice. I thought that the, that the shine of the enamel looked good and it can, you can pivot to, you know, Hey, this one, you know, doesn't have a fan that's 350 CFMs. It's only 180 CFMs. That customer really probably doesn't care. Uh, now if they bought it only for the fan, that's a different story. But I think that, that we get too locked into what we sell. And, and I feel like one of the biggest moves we can do is we have to be working with our distributors and manufacturers to sell what they have in stock. So we, we no longer control our destiny of, well, I want this unit in this color in this front. I think as retailers, we need to say, what do you have five of in stock? And I'm going to sell that. And you need to let me know when you're down to two. Yeah. You know, and then you get down, you get down to zero and you have the same conversation again. Okay. What do you have five of? Okay. That's what I'm selling now. Yep. I agree. A hundred percent. I agree. And the communication's so key on that from the manufacturer or from the distributor. Hey, and, and then that next fill cycle of when it's going to be built and how long it's going to take from built to your store and really understanding the, the logistics nightmares that are out there, the costs with freight and all those other things more communication. Also, walking people to other things. One of the things with United Buyers Group is we have some stuff where people can actually check inventory with some of our manufacturers live every day. Uh, We have a feed. But then also, we have a group where they get together and they can actually on a Facebook uh, group, they actually can post and say, and it may not be any brand that has anything to do with United Buyers Group, but the people are saying, hey, do you have X brand? I sold one. I'm not getting it. Does anybody have this in their barn? And we've seen across the country. Yes. As a matter of fact, I have one with an inch and a half of dust on that I haven't moved. I would love to sell it to you. And there's like, fine, I'll take the freight. I'll make my customer happy. And and they're doing a lot of exchanges. We've done a lot of promotion of uh, distribution. If a distributor in a certain area does have product, we'll go in and say, hey, do you have a relationship with that distributor? Uh, if you don't, you probably for this season, you probably need to get a, a relationship going with yeah. them because this year it's 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 critical. If they have product, you got to use the distribution channel um, when you can. You know, this yeah. won't always be the, the route. It, this is the reality is in years past, it was easier to do uh, some of the things that were dealer direct. But, you know, you got to use all channels and everything available to take care of your customer this year. I agree. I, I think the distributors are going to be what saves our industry this year. I really do. And, and I know that they're in a really tough spot too, but I think that distributors are, they're more valuable. Then you made the commitment. Yeah. 
Tim, they, they made the commitments. They put the, the thing in. They're getting the, the, the products from the, the ones. There's, you know, national ones that we we work with as well and and that uh, are helping fill in uh, for our customer base as well, for our members, and then and have come to the forefront to, to step up and say, hey, we want to take care of your customers. And uh, that's with partnership with manufacturers. And it's been, it's been exciting to see that we're really out to make sure these stores stay in business, yeah. most of all. So good. So I want to I shift a little bit because one thing we were talking about offline is, as you're traveling around, you were mentioning that you're starting to see a new generation come in. And, and this actually isn't always even second generation. It's third generation sometimes, right? Third or even fourth. I, I met a fourth generation coming in um, into the business because, uh, you know, the first generation back in the late seventies was actually more of a second generation chimney sweep. So they're into their fourth generation and the way they're doing things. What we talked about was there's a lot of new uh, business savvy, I would say coming into the industry and even some people outside of the industry, new to the industry and the way they approach uh, the way they do business, it's different. And it's not the old way, like, Hey, we're going to buy in this month. We're going to get it in this month. Yeah. They're more agile. I think they just don't know. So they, this is all they've known is this craziness. So they're really agile. They're figuring out, okay, I get this from them. I get that from them. Uh, I can do this. I can do that. Um, why would I do this? And they question, why do I do that? Why Why do we do that? And I like that question most of all is, and I get it off. Why would I do that? And, and sometimes I've had to actually look at myself and go, well, because we used to, and I realized, <laughs> well, maybe we should be rethinking that too, <laughs> because that's the way we've always done it. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. I mean, I'm all for wisdom, right? Like yep. cars have four wheels, yep. not three, and I'm okay with that. But but we but we should be able to answer the question why. You know, if if we have done something for a while and it's and it's time tested and and it, and it holds up to wisdom, then we should be able to explain why. And if we can't explain why doesn't necessarily mean we throw it away, but it means we should probably take a look at it. Yeah. And, and not only look at it, but look at it from perspectives that maybe are really uncomfortable. I think that's one of the things I will say this about some of the new generation. I think there's a lot more empathy from them for the industry, for the consumer mm-hmm. than there is with the uh, generations that are, you know, retiring or just have been around and maybe not had a lot of support, not, yeah. not a lot of people around them that helped them, but they've had to do everything on their own. You know, when, when nobody shows up, they're the ones that drop everything and go install something. Uh, you know, their heads in a fireplace the next day. Sometimes they don't have a lot of empathy. I think a lot of those people don't have empathy for yeah. the consumer and what they're going through because they're just so in it. They yeah. can't even see. Uh, they're so busy. And uh, the new people I see, they have empathy for the consumer and what they're going through in the transaction of buying a difficult product, Yeah, which, I, which I've come to value that empathy. I think that's, it's something that's needed in our industry, deeply needed in our industry. Yeah. I want to ask you this. This has nothing to do with what we've been talking about, but I just started thinking about it as you said this. So you talked about empathy and, and it's easy. I mean, I fight this too. I've, I've only been in this now for, I don't know, 15, 16 years, but I can still feel jaded sometimes or get frustrated or kind of get self-righteous about, oh, this person just doesn't understand, you know? And, and I got to fight that. It's like, what are you talking about, Tim? Like, no, like you're like, they're the customer and, and you're serving them. So like they can do whatever they want, you know? And what that made me think about is the idea of having empathy for a customer. When we think about how hard our products are to buy, when there's a mistake, and I know you used, used to manage a multi, multi-store retail operation, 
generally speaking, in your experience working either on the B2B side or the B2B or the B2C side, when there's a mistake, do you find most of the time that either you or your company actually had something to do with that mistake happening, even if it's a small part? Oh, yeah. I think even in a lot of those times, it would be hard to say that, but you would have to realize that probably something about communication went wrong. Yeah. And you have to own your part of that. Um, and we've had some email interactions like now, and I don't assume anything anymore. I yeah. ask the question, I don't understand this. Can you clarify this so that I understand? Because I don't want to assume anymore. And I figure I've realized I create communication problems if I assume something. So I never pretend I'm, I'm trying to get better at not pretending I know what's going on, especially via email as we do a lot more things. Yeah. Text and email and they can get lost and, and misunderstood so quickly. Yeah. I think it's really important to say, stop. Don't put yourself into this situation. Ask a question so you know the situation. That's so good. And and going back to the empathy thing that you talked about, when we have empathy for our customers, we you know, it makes us naturally just be more considerate, right? Yeah, it's it's hard right. it's hard to buy this product. They just spent ten thousand dollars. They're 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 nervous about, you know, how's yeah. this thing gonna turn out? And then I know that we technically gave them the installation manual that went over how far away the mantle needs to be from the fireplace. But like when we were out at the in-home visit, how clear were we, right? I mean, whose job is it? Is it their job knowing nothing about their project to be able to dig to page 25 of the installation manual and figure out the mantle height? Or is it our responsibility to help make that clear to them? And that's just an example that came, that came to mind from a situation that I had in the past. But what I find find in in most situations that I've had, whether it was on the retail end or even now as I run my own business, that very rarely, it's like being in a marriage, very rarely is an issue 100% the customer's fault. I would say it almost never is. Right. And, and in the times where we own any part of it, it's really important that we acknowledge that and that we actually you know, we, yeah, we, we own up to that. And I think that that, that paints a good picture going forward, but you can't do that without the empathy that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, Alex Judd, one of your guys that you know, well, I read his other something the other day when he was talking about whatever you do, just treat people nice. You know, number one, the number one way to start everything is treat people nice. Consumers have an ego too, <laughs> right? They don't want to come in and say, Oh, I'm, I'm an idiot here. I don't know what I'm doing. But I think it's almost like, hey, we're going to slow this. And and I I like a lot of your steps. I I think some of the things that we've done over the years of your teaching is stop, make sure you cover everything. Don't skip anything. If you skip it, you're setting yourself up to fail completely. And I've seen that, you know, as we travel around, the really good retailers have a process. Yeah, agreed. And they put those new people in and they do follow those things. And it's and the reason that's there is exactly what we're talking about. It creates empathy because you're asking the right questions. So you're getting to know them a little bit more. You get to understand the situation. Why are, Why is this wood stove important? Oh, you know, the back of your house freezes, your pipe froze last year. You know, you learn all these things that they've gone through through heck and now they're just trying to make their home livable. Yeah. You know, um, you feel a lot more for that customer if you take the time to figure that out. So good you say that, you know, and I know that we're, we're we're going a lot of different directions. I want to come back and land the plane here in a little bit. But what you just brought up is is so critical. Like in any interaction with a customer, and this is going to be true, especially as we're fighting supply chain issues, it's incredibly important that we discover what their problem is. 
because and 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 it's easy to say, oh, like, well, they bought the wood stove. Their problem was that they weren't warm enough. It's like, well, like maybe, but there's a lot of reasons to buy a wood stove, and and warmth is is a big one. But you know, we we need to go deeper than that. And the reason why is especially if we're going to be flipping them to a different product because something isn't in, we need to understand their problems so that we can actually say, hey, this didn't come in. I've got this right here. And you know what? When you were in the showroom, you mentioned this and this product actually might even do it better than the one that we originally looked at. You know, if we don't know what their problem is, then we we have nothing. And, and I feel like, you know, whenever I, I go into work with companies, one of the biggest things that we work on is literally role-playing the sales process. And and I feel like, you know, every single time we should take, I mean, three to 15 minutes with the customer understanding their problem. And I understand some people don't have a ton of time and we can be respectful of that, but it is, it is crazy to me that a customer would walk in, say, hey, I've got a 1,500 square foot house. I'm looking at a wood stove and literally 10 seconds later, we're standing in front of the wood stoves and I'm being yacked at as the customer about this particular model because they don't, they know nothing about my house. They know nothing about how it's laid out. They don't know anything about what I've had before, what my expectations are. And unfortunately we, we do that because we're trying to go so quickly because we're all, we're all behind. We think it'll speed us up. And the truth is that it won't when what, what you're talking about is we have to understand that customer's problem and that takes time. And how key is this this year specifically? Because if they trust you and they trust your company, the likelihood of them waiting for product is immensely greater than if you skipped this step in the sales process. And I'll tell you what, that goes for reps that are out there too. It goes for manufacturers that are out there. You can't skip giving the the information and understanding where my business is at. You know, I would give that advice for our entire chain up and down, backwards and forwards. I decide that is where we need to be. We need to understand each other a lot more going through the next 18 months because that's how we're going to save our industry. We'll get back to our conversation with Pete Schoenfeld in just one second. Hey, if you have been listening to the podcast this season and thinking, man, we're talking about this 10-step execution process of the things that I need to do to run my jobs effectively, and you want the chance to nail it down so that you can be doing it right, you need to take advantage of the Firetime Workshop. So this is an in-person workshop that's going to be going on on the East Coast and the West Coast in May of 2020. Grant Falco and myself, along with other incredible Firetime Network facilitators, will be there. And over the course of nearly three days, we will take you through an execution process for your business, and you are going to leave with all the tools that you need to take your company to the next level. We're going to give you forms and resources for installation, for your warehouse, for your sales process that you can build on for years to come. And by the way, if you aren't able to travel, we have an online version available as well. Go to the website, itsfiretime.com slash workshop and sign up today. That's itsfiretime.com slash workshop. So here's how I want to land the plane. So like I said earlier in the interview, we spent a lot of time together this summer. UBG, I mean, really, it was one of the first groups to start to start doing some in-person events. And I had the pleasure of, of traveling to some of those. And my belief right now is that retailers need more help than ever. And there are very, very few 
resources and companies that are that are actively trying to help them. There's some, but but there's there's not many. And, and you're part of one of those groups with UBG. And what I took away from going to those shows is, I mean, just simply getting dealers in the same room and talking. Like I I watched you in Lexington, Kentucky, in front of this group until I got kicked out because I wasn't a retailer. So I I, I was sneaking in the back for a little bit. <laughs> but I watched you before I got I got kicked out. And 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 you were up there just saying, hey guys, like we got to talk about this. And we haven't we have an hour. So if I stand up here for an hour, I can do that. But it's only by us actually talking about what's going on that we can get better. And and literally when I left, like I think that at least in, in one of those one of those sessions, it ended up going so much longer than was planned. Because it, I, I mean, just my perspective is that people started talking and started sharing and like this is the way that we get better. Yeah, and that and we've had to do that. You know, if the members have a need, that need is first. If their need to network and to talk and how to solve their problems and some and they're figuring it out together, um, that comes first. And they have to. And they the the ones that have been in the group longer, you can see they come down, they sit down, and they go to a table together and they start talking immediately. Yeah. They open up to each other. The newer members have to break into that. They got sure. to kind of get to know some people. But what we do is we really bring those in, but they can ask any question. They can say, hey how in the heck are you guys hiring people? And, and it was one of those things, right? Like, well, we're doing this, we're doing this, this doesn't work, this has worked. And that's super regional, by the way. We, we found different uh, things in different areas of the country. Some of it was localized, some of it wasn't, but being able to have networking resources um, has been really hard. And people are a lot less likely, I think, to pick up a cell phone or a Zoom and ask for help. Yeah. But when you're sitting across a table from somebody, it feels like they're finally being able to get some some people, and we see the relationships build, yeah. and that's almost more important to our group than than anything. Because a lot of times, it's what they're doing for each other. Yeah. It's not us. I mean, we're a small group of people, but we're bringing them together. Is really what we do. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I think about in my own life that there are events I go to and and retreats and things like that where where I go in person to literally just say, okay, here's what I got on my plate. This is what's working. This is what's not. What are you doing? And for me, I mean, there's been times like, I remember this is probably four years ago, I think. Uh, I dropped like three grand and went to the story brand conference in Seattle that was going on. And I was so nervous about it. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking like, I have never spent money like this on an event. And going to it, I, I walked out thinking, this is this has transformed my life, you know, and, and actually there were relationships that were created there that have lasted since and, and borne fruit. But I think that especially like this time of year, it is really important that we physically leave our businesses and go somewhere to think critically and to talk with other people. And, and, and I'm all for zoom. It's great, but there is something to physically leaving your environment. And I think UBG has done a really good job of cultivating that with your, with your super regionals and, and your buyers you show. Yeah, we do that in a manner where it's always asking them what is working for you. It's not trying to hammer the peg in, right? It's what is working for you. And so it's always adaptive. So we're taking what worked last year. Something worked, some didn't. Some things were too long. Some things were too short and asking them. And so we try to be adaptive. Again, listening, getting to know what the need is, understanding the needs. Also being able to to know needs that they don't need either yeah. to bring stuff to the table. But Tim, I will tell you your, your story about StoryBrand 
Well, that not only resonated with you, obviously it helped shape a little bit of what we've done across the hearth industry. Cause I think I know oh, yeah. all of us, when you first started the podcast, we used a lot of those things as our new marketing. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I remember getting the books and, and reaching out to you and asking some questions and I know it's positively helped people. So making a commitment to get better at our trade, whether that costs 3000 or, you know, like Anthony Robbins, $10,000, yeah. you know, some of those things are incredibly expensive. What you don't realize is the impact it has beyond that. There's there's a, a huge funnel that's an input part, and the funnel goes the opposite way of a sales funnel, right? It just exponentially grows when you are willing to to participate and and have conversations and listen yeah. and learn. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. And you know, I'm even thinking too back when we were in Denver together just a few months ago for the Rocky Mountain Conference, and and what a cool event that was. I mean, what what. I feel like is going on this year, despite the fact that there are some really difficult situations that we just got to face the brutal facts. It's, it's going to be tough. That being said, there are things we can control and there's ways to get better. And what I saw at that Rocky mountain event was there, there was a lot of dealers. Like people seem to be hungry to be coming together. And I, I think that, that, you know, this prior mentality that our industry has had of, I keep everything locked up. I don't share anything. I think that's going away. I keep going back to that quote from Star Wars. I sent it to a friend of mine the other day where, you know, Leia says to Tarkin, the more you tighten your grip, the more systems will slip through your fingers. And I think that our industry is realizing that. And it's awesome to see whether you're young or old, experienced or new, people coming together and actually sharing what's working. Because the truth is that we need to have an, an industry. And in order for manufacturers to survive, dealers have to get better. And, and my belief, again, like we've, we've talked about this, I mean, countless times, Pete, that if more people in my neighborhood know what a gas insert is, we win. Yeah. And it's not about me stealing a sale from the person down the street. It's about how can we get more people in my neighborhood to realize how awesome a gas insert is? Yeah. And, and, and how important it is that you're even going to have gas available to do it. Um, oh you know, man, that's a whole other thing that came out about Rocky Mountain is we had so many people poke their head up and say, what do you mean new construction in the city of Denver is not going to have natural gas in 2024? I mean, that's not tomorrow. That's like tomorrow in our industry, right? Yeah. Um, it's willingness to have those conversations that, Hey, this is real. What are you going to do? If that happens now, what, you know, and it's able to come together and have competitors in the same room, having those same conversations about how do we pivot? What do you guys think? What do you do? It's not that you're giving away a competitive edge. It's just that, Hey, we got to be here. So what does that mean? You know, what does that mean to the rest of the areas? What does that mean to anything um, commercial? You know, do the do people really know that that's happening? No, they don't. Yeah. Um, so we have education to do. And if we keep only worried about our own four walls or our own little little problem, it, it just isn't going to get anywhere. So that's why, we, I, Tim, I think one of the things I've learned over the last 18 months during COVID and everything else is it's really important to be willing to communicate. Like we've yeah. gone back to, and, and again, those new people in the industry seem more willing to do it than, than they, we're going to need a lot of people who are hesitant to communicate, to really decide, you know what, I'm willing, it's not in my nature, it's not going to be comfortable, but I'm willing to participate in the communication system. Pete, this has been so good, man. I love your perspective and you got to come back on sometime soon to talk about the fight for natural gas. Sound good? Yeah, we do. We, we've got a lot of work out there. We've, there's a lot of work behind the scenes right now. And uh, people need to be aware that that's, it's, it's coming faster and, and more furious than we ever thought it could be. Yeah, agreed. Well, thanks for being here, man. Appreciate it. Sorry to end on that note. <laughs>
Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Pete Schoenfeld. I got so much value out of it. And just right out of the gates, I teased this out in the intro. What Pete said about email communication is so spot on. And and the reason it, it, it's really impacted me because literally me and Pete had this happen where he emailed me about something and I shot him with just a really quick response. And in that response, Pete you know, wasn't sure how to take it, what my in- intention was. And he, rather than either getting angry or being annoyed or just, you know, choosing to assume what my intentions were, he literally just wrote me back and said, Hey, Tim, I want to make sure that I understand this. Can you please explain it to me? And I just, I thought about that. I'm like, my gosh, like he is literally living what he's preaching and, and it's so powerful. Like it, it just makes me think in so many situations, where do I make assumptions about what other people think when really I just, I just didn't understand. And, and my goodness, if that happens to me with my friends who I know, what about with people I don't know, like, like customers or acquaintances, you know, the way that we communicate and, and, and the way that we, that we, you know, ask these clarifying questions makes such a big difference in relationship building and in, in sales and, and ultimately trying to, to, you know, work something out together. But we will, in so many cases, go down the wrong trail if we make these assumptions up front. So I thought that piece about communication was absolutely incredible. So you've probably heard me talk about this. Pat Budson is the best true salesperson that I've ever met in the fireplace industry. Now, I had the pleasure of Pat working on my team a number of years ago, about five years ago. At the time, Pat was in his late 70s. He had about 40 years industry experience, and he was absolutely terrific. And he always said in sales, you have to do three things. Number one, sell yourself. Number two, sell the company. And number three, sell the product in that order. Sell yourself, sell the company, and then sell the product. And, and like I was talking to Pete for a long time, even, you know, I thought that I knew what I was talking about with sales, but it's taken me years to really process the wisdom of that and, and, and to understand the nuance of how it works that, you know, in, in most situations that I see when I go secret shopping, people jump straight to product without selling me on themselves and without selling me on their company. And when we do that, it's kind of like the idea. I've heard this. I've heard this saying that you can't drive a semi truck of truth across a straw bridge of relationship. Just doesn't doesn't work. The relationship bridge has to be built to accommodate the amount of truth that you're driving across it. Right. So if you ever had a friend or a family member that you try to you know give a word to that you know you it's in their best interest but they just explode at you, well, most of the time it's because that relational bridge cannot handle the weight of what's being driven across it. It's the exact same thing when we jump straight to product without building up that bridge of ourselves and our company, it absolutely does not work. And I I think that just the wisdom in that of number one, sell yourself. It's like when you greet the customer you're not just greeting the customer, you're selling yourself. I'm literally writing an article as we speak right now for the Firetime Magazine about this, about you know when we greet the customer, like it should be baked into the process that every single time we make eye contact, we smile, we shake their hand. Obviously, you gotta be you know 
safe with that in a COVID world. But like you shake their hand, you you ask them how they're doing, you small talk a little bit. And 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 that's like some people would say, well, that's not genuine if I bake that into my process. I would say it is genuine, right? Like, you know, I don't need to like program out what you small talk about, but like, you know, when when you walk into a fireplace store and no one greets you for 20 seconds, and then you go around the corner to see a salesperson that's too busy, they don't even give you the time of day, and then eventually they come in and they say, hey, sorry, phone's been ringing off the hook all day. Okay, what can I do for you? I mean, it's rushed. Like, they've done nothing to sell you on them. Now, before we get to product, we have to sell on our company. And, and I would say what we need to sell is that our company can help them solve their problem, right? So talking about ways that we've helped other people in similar situations solve their problem. Talking about maybe the steps that you take to make sure that every job is done properly. Finding a way to talk about your company, not in a braggy way, but in a way that directly relates to solving the customer's problem is powerful because now they believe and trust you. Next, they believe that your company has what it takes to solve their problem, generally speaking. Now we can jump to product specifically and drive it home. But without building that momentum of first, selling ourselves, second, selling the company, and third, selling the product, it's really tough to make headway. Now, as we round out here, if this podcast has been a blessing for you and you want to support it financially, you can do that by going to the website patreon.com slash it's fire time. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash it's fire time. And I mean, I know that we say this every week, but we absolutely mean it that we do not take the contributions lightly whether you contribute just a little bit or something more substantial it means the world and it literally funds some of the administrative costs of this podcast so that we can continue to put out content at a high level now as we go out today my hope for you in this conversation is that you are able to ask yourself where do i need to communicate better where do i need to be more honest whether it's with my customers or my team members, or, hey, let's take this you know, out of the workspace with my spouse, with my family. Where do I need to communicate better? Because this is where everything rises and falls. And I, I know for me personally, after experiencing Pete, have the humility to say, hey, I don't think I understood this email. Can you explain it to me? That gives me the benefit of the doubt. It, you know, he's not making assumptions about me and my intent, and we would all be wiser to do the same thing to others. So I hope you have an amazing rest of your week. We will be back next week. And remember, even though times are hard, and I believe it will get worse before it gets better, I believe that the work you're doing matters and that your business can make it through if you're willing to listen and work with others. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time. Too bad.